Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to another episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. I am your host, Jawan, and we have a very, 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 very special guest today. Um, Our guest is a screenwriter for Forbes, contributor, co-host of Superhero News, core top writer, also appears occasionally at at the Huffington Post and Slate. Um, Mark Hughes will be joining us very, very, very soon. Uh, we have so much to talk about. DC News, um, everything that's been going on on his Twitter. I'm going to ask him a Sony question about Spider-Man. Uh, we just have so much to break down. Should be a few seconds. Uh, looks like we got him. Let me see. Of course, baby. You for me all the time. Yes, this is Mark. Perfect. How you doing? It's me, Juwan from Geek Vibes Nation. Doing great. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I sure can. Uh-huh. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, so let's get right into it. I don't want to hold you too long. Um, before we get into everything that I have to ask you DC-wise, I wanted to ask you uh, about something I was talking about on my podcast yesterday um, that I was very curious about, and, and that's the situation going on with um, Sony and uh, Disney, uh, seemingly to where it seems like Spider-Man's, or Tom Holland's contract, rather, um, with uh, Sony that they kind of share with Disney right now. Um, That deal looks like it'll probably be up, I assume, next month, I believe. Um, A lot of people are saying it's the obvious choice. If you're Sony, re-up, stay with Disney, share the character. Um, What I wanted to post to you is, I don't think Sony is working from a position of weakness. At this point, I think if this was maybe five years ago, yes, maybe three years ago, yes. Um, But I think if you're Sony, you feel confident in the fact that if you get Spider-Man back, um, you feel confident in the idea of they have successfully built up um, not only Spider-Man, they've successfully built up uh, Tom Holland to where it kind of feels as though, oh, I think I lost him. All right, <laughs> wait for him to call back in uh, to finish my question. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go into the the whole deal with Sony, Spider-Man, and Disney, because I definitely do think if you're Sony, you're not working from a position of desperation. You're not working from a position of weakness. Um, I think if you're Sony, you feel very, very, very confident um, that, with the success of Venom, uh, with the hype of the Venom sequel, bringing in Carnage now. I think if you're Sony, you're like, yeah, like I could bring Tom Hardy and Spider-Man back into my universe with Venom and Tom Hardy. Um, and now we know Carnage um, with Woody Harrelson. I could build something special here. Um, so I, I just don't think if you're Sony, you're necessarily in a rush um, and you're not working from a standpoint of weakness. 
Um, but yeah, so we got Sony I wanted to, to discuss. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I also wanted to discuss some DC stuff we're definitely going to be talking to Mark about as soon as he calls back in. Um, so we're just going to wait to uh, to call right back. And then we're going to get into, uh, we're going to finish my Sony question um, that I didn't get a chance to finish. So he should be calling back in very soon. And we can keep this thing going. All right. I think we got him back. Let me see. That's smart. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's, I'm here. Sorry about that. I don't know what the, the power just went boof and just went out. So uh, but I'm back up and running now. If it happens again, should I just call back on my cell phone? Yeah, that's totally fine. You can call back on yourself. That's totally fine. Um, hope everything's all right. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, <clears throat> just, it's. They work on the stuff here in our apartment, so unfortunately, sometimes we don't get a heads up before they turn off water or uh, electricity sometimes. Oh, wow. That is very unfortunate. Um, yeah. No, but it's totally fine. I'm glad to have you back. Um, I was like, man, he hated my question so much. He was like, I'm gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, no, I was saying that um, I, I think if you're if you're Sony, I, I don't think Sony is working from a position of weakness as they would have five years ago. I think if you're Sony, you feel comfortable in Disney has built up Tom Holland and Spider-Man so much in these past three or four years um, that you could easily like say, you know, thank you. No, thank you. We're going to keep them, take them back to our universe. And I think, again, it doesn't mean you'll make good Spider-Man movies because we've seen they have a rocky uh, history with it. But my question to you is, um, do you think Sony uh, is working from a standpoint of, of weakness to where they, they, they definitely have to re-sign with Disney um, to keep Spider-Man? Or do you think they kind of feel confident that, you know, if it doesn't work out or Disney maybe asks for too much, they can just take them back and build a successful universe um, with Venom and Spider-Man? Well, uh, I think a couple of things are true. The The most important one is I don't think this situation is going to continue much longer because uh, I anticipate that Sony is Sony Pictures will probably be bought by someone else uh, for a long time. My guess was um, that I thought Disney might buy them or perhaps Netflix or Apple in order to get that back content library to add to the streaming services. I know that there are some companies looking at it and, and looking at numbers on that uh, right now. So just various, various bits of information over the past several years make it obvious to me that Sony, uh, I don't think Sony Pictures is just going to linger as another, there's another studio out there. Part of the reason Marvel bought Fox and that Fox decided we need to sell is they're looking down the road and they see that long term, in order to compete at a significant level, uh, it's going to require a type of multimedia footprint and outreach and marketing machine that even 20th century Fox decided they weren't capable of sustaining. <laughs> so right. I don't think Sony Pictures, honestly, and I don't mean that as an insult to Sony Pictures, it's just the reality is there are, there are companies doing five to seven to eight billion dollars a year at the box office now, plus all of the merchandising revenue that comes with that for home entertainment and everything else. And now with streaming being such a big part of the play, I just don't see 
room in that picture for Sony uh, at this point, especially because to bring it around to Spider-Man, when you look at their box office last year, uh, a huge portion of that, such a huge portion, in fact, was Spider-Man related because of Homecoming, Venom, and Into the Spider-Verse. When you add those up and then look at Sony's bottom line, if you remove Spider-Man from that equation, how much power does Sony really have at the box office? And they don't really. So anyone who's buying Sony, per the, the, the major element there is either their back catalog or their current box office IP. And the tricky thing is when Marvel, uh, I'm sorry, when, when someone buys Sony, when Sony's picture sells, that Spider-Man IP doesn't transfer. Marvel will get the rights back. And the kicker is Marvel won't have to pay a dime for those rights because when Sony Pictures is sold, uh, as I understand it, the rights will revert back to Marvel for free. If that happens, that means everyone attached to that IP and, and the development of that IP uh, with Sony is going to lose out big. So it's in their best interest to either maximize the use of that IP in the next couple of years before they sell and make as many of these movies as they can, or alternately to make a few movies, cash in those chips and get money where there's a big bang for it, and then position them to make additional movies that Marvel might not want them to make. For example, saying, okay, we're going to put Tom Holland's Spider-Man in a Venom and Morbius movie, and we're going to do crossovers and things that will make it impossible for the MCU to take this version of Spider-Man and pull him out of that and use these other characters in the MCU going forward without it causing confusion and mess. Uh, I don't mean to imply bad motivations on the part of Sony or producers. My point is just if you're the people sitting there with the use of this IP and you stand to get tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars yourself and for your company off of that IP, but you know you're going to probably lose that IP when the company sells, and that's going to possibly reduce the value of the, you know, how much you can sell the company for if the the majority or the biggest chunk of your profit margin and your revenue stream at the box office doesn't carry over, then from a business, this is all business. These are all multimillionaires and billionaires. So nobody should feel like there's some poor person sitting in the corner with a little, an empty plate <laughs> asking for more forage or something. This is big <laughs> players and big money transnational corporations here. So Sony and the producers involved with Spider-Man saying, look, the way to maximize this, if we aren't going to get to make all these movies and continue this deal, then the next best thing is we've got to figure a way to get Disney and Marvel to buy this IP back early because otherwise they can run the clock out, wait a couple of years or however long it's going to take for Sony Pictures to, to be bought by another entity, and then they'll get the rights back free. So you kind of would want to force their hand from a business perspective. And one way to do that is to say, here's our plans. This probably doesn't coincide with what you want to do. Wouldn't you rather just get all these characters back right now and that be done with it and you've got it and you don't have to worry about this anymore? Uh, so I think I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. And if you're Marvel, you've got Spider-Man, you've used him, you've made successful Spider-Man movies, you know that it, Sony has to realize it's in their best interest to maintain a relationship with you or to make a deal now when they can get the best bang for their buck. Because Homecoming, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Venom, <laughs> and now 
Far From Home coming out this year, a Venom sequel, and a Morbius movie. That's going to be half a dozen films in a two- to three-year period that are going to have such box office and revenue streaming power that Sony is in the best position right now to go to Marvel and say, look, these properties are highly valuable. Give us a good price for them. Give us a perpetual portion of the you know the the back end to the producers make a deal that is you know regardless of whether sony sells to another company or not just make sure that there's a regular revenue stream coming in and they would probably be willing to make a good deal for both sides you know for marvel as well to get all these characters and not have to deal with this anymore so from from what you're saying i I would think now and i'm glad you broke it down the way that you did because now it completely obliterates the point i was making on sony not being desperate they kind of do seem like now they would have to be um but if if you're if you're disney or or, or feige rather um you kind of then say like no (laughs) if 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 it's a known possibility that they'll have to sell soon and I just get the rights back, if I'm Feige, I'm kind of just like, I'll wait. Like, I'll call the bluff, and I'll wait. I think the difference with the the Fox idea for them was, just on Feige's end, not Disney's end, because we get Disney's end, getting the catalogs and stuff like that. I think if you're Feige, um, you kind of feel like, uh, you know, there's so many characters I already have that I could, you know, create new stories with. But, wouldn't it be cool if I had the X-Men and Fantastic Four, like, right now? Like, I didn't have to wait. Because um, Fox, I, I still believe um, if Fox sold to Comcast or whoever else Fox would have sold to, I kind of believe, because I believe the deal was um, if you don't have a X-Men or Fantastic Four movie within, like, every three or four years, the rights go back. I do believe whoever bought the rights to, to Fox would have pumped out more X-Men films or Fantastic Four films. So if you're Feige, you're kind of just like, I don't want to play this cat and mouse game. Just give me it back. But I think the difference, like you were saying, with Sony is this is literally just a waiting game for me. And now I have the X-Men and Fantastic Four. So I could take a break between Far From Home um, in the, the third Spider-Man movie, wait till we get the character back um, to then, you know, do a third movie. Um, so I mean, if I'm Feige, I'm kind of just looking at it like, your deal is going to have to be very generous towards me um, <laughs> before I even remotely think about saying yes to something I just can, can wait out. Do you kind of see it that way? Like if you're Feige, you'll just wait it out? Well, I think I, I'm kind of torn. I think there's two schools of thought on this right now. And one of them is that, yeah, if you can run out the clock, but Sony is not in an, is not in a bad position here either because they know if someone's going to buy them anyway, then uh, it's if Marvel doesn't want to go ahead and buy the rights back now, they've got enough years. They could just say, you know what, to heck with it then. We're putting Spider-Man in the Venom sequel. We're going to make back-to-back movies. We're going to use every character that's part of the uh, that's part of the deal that Sony has. We're just going to develop all of them, put them all on screen, just make as much money as we can to put in our pockets. And uh, then when Marvel gets the rights back, guess what? All those characters were just in movies for a couple of years. The Spider-Man from the MCU has now kind of been screwed up by being crossed over with all those characters. 
it creates a big tangled mess, no pun intended up there, but it creates a big <laughs> tangled mess that Marvel will have to unweave and figure out how to work with and or just ask audiences to ignore it and pretend it never happened, which is always kind of a, you know, it, sometimes that works, sometimes it's a dubious proposition. So uh, I, I think, and, and another part of this is, Disney, uh, a bigger part of this is beyond Spider-Man, Sony has that Sony Classics library. They have TV shows like Breaking Bad. They have a lot of stuff that's very valuable. And any company that's building a new streaming service and looking to expand its content library uh, has a good reason to want to buy Sony Pictures and to get that Mm -hmm. content library. Uh, I'm frankly shocked that Apple hasn't done it at this point because the Apple streaming service is going to be in really deep crap pretty soon if they don't if if they don't have a content library to go with their planned streaming service. So right now they they're producing original content but who's going to subscribe to a a streaming service that has like less than a dozen total shows on it when you've got all these <laughs> other things out there? You know, you're going to have to charge like two bucks a month for your service to convince anybody it's worth subscribing. And right. Apple's going to get left behind if they don't make a move soon. And I think Sony is the smart move. They get a huge instant content library. They've got a, a set of pretty popular, well-known IP that they could develop. And, they, you know, if that's your plan is to go for that part of it and you don't really care about the Spider-Man IP and everything – then uh, you, you take a very different approach to buying Sony. But if you're Marvel, you know, I don't know how much more Disney Marvel can merge with other existing studios before they're going to start running into problems with the FCC. Mm-hmm. But I think with Sony, it's, you're talking about strictly content library and IP. So it, it, it would be pretty hard to argue uh, with a Sony Pictures buyout. If all Marvel wants is we want the Spider-Man rights and we want the Sony Classic uh, you know, those films for the content library to put on Hulu and FX and everything, and then we want whatever IP there are that Sony really has the rights to that carries over that we can develop on across our different platforms. I don't think that that would be much of a problem with the FCC at this point because it's uh, you're not talking about uh, uh, the, the type of integration you're talking about there isn't, it's not reaching into uh, uh, providing cable and additional streaming service and internet and all the other different elements that come into play when the FCC is looking at, uh, at something that's like, well, the you know the the vertical integration and the horizontal integration that's going on here starts to approach a problem for competition purposes. I don't think that would be an issue with Sony. So it really would be a question of whether Marvel has the resources and is willing to take on the additional debt load to do it. But at this point. Even with the Fox buy, when you look at what's happened, it's already a lot of that's paid for itself for Disney. You know, the the out-of-pocket expense has really plummeted for them, and they could be in a position where buying Sony makes sense, uh, and it keeps it away from anyone else who would get that content library to compete with Disney. So uh, I think it would be a smart move for Disney. And I said that, uh, I wrote an article about that several years ago at Forbes saying, uh, or a couple of years ago at Forbes, saying why I suspected Disney might be looking at buying at a, eventually buying Sony and or Paramount to add to their library, um, and that was before they bought Fox. And I'd I'd been talking with various people. I heard rumblings actually for a couple of years that they were secretly maneuvering to pick up Fox, 
And I didn't want to run a story on that because I didn't to run the story. I would have burned the hell out of a lot of sources. There's no, <laughs> so I didn't do it, but, uh, uh, I knew that was going on, and I wondered, well, maybe they should make a big move and also go after Sony and Paramount. And I still think there's a chance they will, but I, I think it's more likely at this point that another company that's looking to boost their own existing streaming will do that. Um, I think, again, with Netflix would be really wise to consider a buy of Sony at this point. Um, and if not them, then one of the other big major streaming services would, should probably be looking in that direction. Yeah, I will say <clears throat> before we get into uh, to DC that if you're Netflix, the one thing about Disney streaming service um, that will ultimately put you to the, the biggest test is they have a huge catalog. And all their original content or all their uh, new shows and stuff like that are such a callback to like, like they're doing Lady and the Tramp. They're giving you Winter Soldier and, and Falcon, like that's just really hard to compete with. And I don't think Disney will will maintain this price. But if you're telling me Disney is only charging me about, what what did, what did it say it was, like 5 or $6, six dollars or something like that? <laughs> yeah, like six five eighty something. Month? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that will last long. Because remember, Netflix for, for a long time was only like 8 to maybe $10. And then after a while, they were like, no, <laughs> we're going to charge you guys 15 Like you, We got to kind of make up costs here some, uh, somewhere. But if you're Netflix, I think, like you said, you need to acquire more assets because after a certain time, Stranger Things will be gone. Um, that, that's your biggest hit now that you don't do Daredevil and stuff anymore. Um, and I do like a lot of their original content, but it's just like I, I look at what uh, Disney is about to do, wh where it's about to completely change the game for, for streaming. Um, and I really yep. love what DC Universe has been doing lately with Swamp Thing, Titans, Doom Patrol. Um, you know, they've been Absolutely. doing really well with that also. I do hope they're able to sustain uh, success. Um, that's why I, I did feel like um, if they could, it would have been smarter to pull from CW, even though I get that that's huge revenue, um, and kind of put those shows on your, your streaming service. Um, but they're making it work with the three shows they have now. Titan season two is looking to come back soon. Um, and Swamp Thing, the first two episodes I've seen, um, is freaking amazing. They did an amazing job. I I'll never understand why they thought it was smart to cut episodes because I love what I've seen so far. Um, but yeah, Disney is going to change the landscape for streaming. And, and it's going to, it's really going to put Netflix's feet to the fire. They're going to have to switch something up. Um, but you know, hopefully they, they're able to do something uh, because to me, it's kind of like uh, wanting two movie franchises to do well because it's just great for the, you know, for us, the viewers um, that both can, can do well. But to a lot of people, they're kind of like, I think I'll pay $6 and get all their content than to pay 15 and get your content. So that's the one thing where it's kind of like if you're Netflix, Make a phone call, get that Sony catalog or something, do something. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's move on. Like I said, I don't want to hold you too long because I could talk to you for, for hours. Uh, okay, <laughs> so let's move on. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you just right out of the gate, okay? Um, you you kind of released a little bit of news uh, about what could potentially be happening um, with Robert Pattinson's Batman. Um, and what that could spin off into becoming. 
Um, so before I pass it to you to kind of to kind of speak on that, I do want to say I am very much so in the mindset of if you're Warner Brothers, um, you've established the Justice League, right? Um, only two out of that current Justice League team um, have actual actors attached to the name um, right now. I don't count Robert Pattinson because we don't know where this this character is going to be placed. Um, you kind of, you have, uh, you don't have a cyborg really. Um, cause I know Fisher and Ezra's contract will, will be up soon. And I don't think they're, they're bringing the actors back. So cyborg is vacant. Flash is vacant. Superman is vacant. Seems like till year 3000, um, Green Lantern will be vacant. To me, I am of the mindset of, uh, release Wonder Woman 84 because you should have released it this year. That that's a huge shame on them for, for not keeping it this year. Um, after that, reboot the whole world. Um, I am not uh, attached to Momoa or uh, Godot. Uh, no shots to them whatsoever. I'm just saying you unfortunately will have to be the casualty for me to reboot a universe where I can get everyone top to bottom, a new regime, a new slate, a new team, new character, uh, new actors, and I can get a set of of Justice League members that I don't have to worry about wanting to leave, not liking the direction, any of that. Um, and I can successfully build a universe finally. Um, but I will pass it to you uh, to speak more on your tweet um, that, that kind of sent the internet ablaze, uh, specifically Twitter, um, your thoughts uh, on your tweet, and then just the idea of what you would like to see them do going forward. Well, um, I think a lot of this, I'm surprised that people reacted uh, the way they did to my article, because I'll say that uh, I don't think that there was a whole lot in there that was uh, that was particularly shocking. I mean, anyone who at this point was like, what? Batman's going to be a reboot? I'm, I have to ask, like, well, how did it feel waking up from your coma this morning? Because <laughs> you clearly have not been around for the past couple of years. Uh, I mean, a part of this is because of, unfortunately, the lingering uh, refusal. There's a, there's a lot of fans out there who they love the movies that came before and that's simply hard for them to let go and to admit that things are changing. When you don't want change, uh, you can either accept that it's happening and resent it or you can accept that it's happening and grudgingly say i love what came before but let's wait and see what happens now or you can just plug your ears up and go no 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 fake news which is what a lot of fans <laughs> were doing they did that about affleck you know I, I, many of us i'm not the only one many of us have been telling people for a while now that affleck is gone he's done i did an article a year ago at forbes saying affleck is out as batman it's done He's not returning, and you're going to hear them. They're not ready to announce it, so they're not saying it yet because they don't want it to interfere with the success of other films. But no, he's done. Mm -hmm. He's gone. And there are still people now even, you know, posting silly nonsense on uh, – well, all nonsense is silly, I guess. That was but uh, posting <laughs> nonsense on fan sites and elsewhere and on social media insisting that they think Ben Affleck might come back and maybe they're going to – the whole plan is going to change. And it's like, no. Stop listening to this nonsense. All that does is gets it, – it, it makes people angry longer 
it, it, it's, you know, there are people who say, well, you know, I just want to hold on to hope a little longer. That's not what's really happening, though. People are taking advantage of you by lying to you, by posting mm-hmm. bogus stuff and crazy stuff in order to make you hold on hope longer so that your disappointment is worse and so that you're therefore angrier and so you're therefore more likely to keep clicking their clickbait stories. You're feeding a beast that lives and thrives off of your disappointment and your anger and your confusion. That's why they're feeding you lies. That's why they do this to you. So don't, you know, instead of resenting people who tell you the truth or who tell you what's probably going to happen, uh, like, again, my article said, you know, okay, Robert Pattinson is officially Batman. Uh, He's been cast. It's going to be a new Batman. This is not the Ben Affleck Batman. This is not a prequel version of Ben Affleck's Batman. This is a reboot. And the reason it's a reboot is Warner is moving away from the current existing DCEU. And that's not news. That's not a shock unless, again, you've been in a coma or in an alternate dimension for the past two years. (laughs) Warner told everyone, we're going to focus on making standalone projects we're yeah. not as committed to the notion of everything crossing over. We're going to have franch, you know, when franchises, it makes sense for them to coexist in the same world. That's what's going to happen. When it doesn't, it won't. We know that they are, you know, that whole the whole previous DCEU. We've got Wonder Woman. We've got Aquaman. We've got Suicide Squad. We've got Birds of Prey. We've got Shazam. There are several franchises that still exist that still have are going to have at least one or two more sequels to them. So you're going to get like three to five more years of movies that are still tied to those pre-existing DCEU. It will continue forward for several more years. But Batman, Supergirl, a lot of these other projects are rebooting those characters and are laying the foundation for a new set of films that can then the ones that are good and successful will converge eventually and we'll see some crossover. Most likely, as anyone with sense should be able to figure out, that means probably the the pre-existing version of the DCEU, after those final sequels have played out, they're probably going to let that fade and say, okay, now we're not going to do those anymore. We're gonna we finish that out for the long-term viability of a shared DC world. We're going to have these franchises that are new and rebooted, and those are going to be the basis of our new DCEU. Is it possible that after make, having made three or four Aquaman and Wonder Woman movies, uh, I think trilogy is generally what they're going for, after having a trilogy of those films plus a few others that continue like Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, is it possible that those actors will say, you know what, I love doing this, I want to keep going and the movies have made close enough or more than a billion dollars each. So Warner Brothers says, yeah, we're not going to leave money on the table. And we'll keep maybe making a few more sequels. Yes, that's possible. Of course it is. We're all rational humans. And hopefully we are mature enough as adults to understand that that's a possibility. But we also should be mature enough as adults to know that there's a difference between possibility and probability. We don't, it's, we don't have a crystal ball, but we can say we know what the plans are right now. We know what makes sense based on what we see them doing. Therefore, most likely, they're going to have two tracks of different sets of films. One is the previous. One is a, a new set founding a new DCEU. And then the old stuff will eventually stop and the new stuff will continue forward. 
that's most logically what will happen. But yes, they could also continue two separate tracks indefinitely as long as, you know, they want to keep making them. Or they could say, it's been long enough. Let's see if we can bring Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa over and have them cross over with our new Batman and our new Superman and our Supergirl and Batgirl and all that. And ho- and just say, you know what, we're going to hope, trust that the audiences can accept that without asking questions. We just won't mention the previous team-ups and everything. We'll bring them in, and if we act like it's like, oh, this is a new thing, then the audiences will go along with it. The way they went along with Charles Xavier showing up in the X-Men after he was dead and being like, oh, it's a long story. Let's never mention it again. <laughs> and Wolverine being in Days of Future Past and Logan in two completely different situations. You know? Uh, <laughs> audiences can accept such things uh if you give them room to do it does that mean it's the best way forward no it doesn't you know and i think after after uh gal gadot and jason momoa have made multiple appearances as these characters you know at this point gal has been in already in three she's going to have been in a fourth one next year with the wonder woman sequel and then if there's a third wonder woman that'll be five if she makes a, mm-hmm. a cameo in a Shazam movie or an Aquaman movie or a crossover with Aquaman, which would be amazing, she might be in half a dozen movies as Wonder Woman. And she might decide that's enough. You know, when is anyone portrayed uh, outside of, you know, the MCU and the X-Men, when is anyone within DC portrayed characters that long, for that long of a period? Even within DCEU and, uh, I mean, within the MCU and the X-Men, they still change up some of the characters. And when there's, if they weren't doing crossovers, which they're not going to do with the DCEU for a while, if you're not doing a bunch of team-up movies, if you remove the team-ups from the MCU, how many movies did the characters appear in? You know, So I think that I, I'm surprised that people think it's so controversial that I pointed out something we've all known and been talking about for years already, And especially since when I pointed it out, I pretty clearly repeatedly said, this is how it looks like it's going to shake out. But yes, of course, there are it could they could make different decisions down the road. We don't know for sure if they're going to. But is it likely that they will? Probably not. It looks like they're headed in this direction. That's the most likely one. And I see no reason to close my eyes and pretend that that's not what they are doing when it's clear that that's where they're headed with this. So uh, you mentioned Wonder Woman 84's date change. I actually think that was a smart move because this year Marvel has so dominated the landscape. There's so many big Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Marvel movies releasing. There's not a real good date that you could release a Wonder Woman movie where it wouldn't be at risk of losing some of its audience. Next year, Mm. it's a very different picture. And next year, there's only going to be two Marvel movies. Uh, it's, it it seems it's Black Widow and the Eternals. And if that's the case, then Wonder Woman 84 and Birds of Prey are positioned to actually potentially make as much as Marvel movies and possibly more. And that would be incredible if the DC movies, DC had a year where, guess what? We matched or exceeded Marvel's movies. We had the same number of films. We went toe to toe and look how much money we made. And I think that's why they did it. And because if they didn't move Wonder Woman to next year, they would have had one movie this year, Wonder Woman. Next year, they'd have had Birds of Prey, and their footprint would have been smaller. So I think the smart move is 
Aquaman was a big hit. They take this year off to avoid getting, you know, lost in the shuffle among all the, the other movies. And then come in next year really strong with Wonder Woman 84 and, and Birds of Prey. And then the following year, they have Batman, The Suicide Squad 2, and probably Supergirl, if everything continues apace with that. And those are going to be three huge movies as well. And they'll once again, they'll be going up against some strong Marvel movies. But they're going to be really big, powerful sequels with major brands that have already proven successful for DC. And they'll be riding a wave of a couple of years of really big success for DC movies. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. I have a few responses to what you said. The Wonder Woman thing, I, I I get that. I completely get where you're coming from, and you're not wrong at all. I will say, though, I think we sometimes, let me say sometimes, um, over, I don't want to say overestimate, because last year Aquaman came out the same time as Into the Spider-Verse, and they both made crazy money. Um, but I don't think, I think if Wonder Woman came out in late June, early July, um, if you're telling me Wonder Woman versus Spider-Man, I'm, I'm liking my chances. Um, I don't like Wonder Woman coming out around October, November, cause it doesn't give you that much time before you're hit with a Star Wars movie. Um, so I get that and I get not being too earlier in the year, um, around Endgame, cause that was just going to swallow everything um but i do think if you went up against spider-man you would fare fare pretty well but i get your point of it's not just spider-man you're also going up against lion king um so like i said i completely get that um and i completely get the idea of you know why do this in joker this year where you could do birds of prey and wonder woman next year um and draw in a whole lot more uh where you're only going up against eternals which Really, unless you've read the comics, you have no idea who those characters are. Um, and Black Widow, which, you know, till we start seeing some, some more information about it, some marketing, we have no idea how that's going to play to to audiences because audiences were really, really, really um, uh, negative towards Captain Marvel uh, for no apparent reason. But, um, you know, you would hope Black Widow doesn't come to, to any of that. But to your point, I think... And, and I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for, for, for people. I'll say my issue with the, the DC universe is you. I felt like after Wonder Woman heading into figuring out Ben Affleck probably wasn't going to come back, the issues with Henry Cavill, then we started to dip into issues with Ezra. It just, it always feels like there's always a mess. That's why I said, I want you to reboot it. Just reboot everything. And I get the idea of, if it makes money, I'm not going to stop doing it. It makes money. I completely get that. Um, I don't want to be one of those idiotic fans who's blind to the idea of, like, this is a company. They like money. Like, they don't care about your feelings. They want money. Um, but if you're looking at it from a standpoint of why someone would be upset, it's just, like, it seems to always be a mess. And if now you're telling me Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, that's, that's here. Then you got Batman, Supergirl, um, maybe Jaime. They were talking about a, a Blue Beetle movie. You got that over here. It is very logical for me as a viewer to question, does any of this, like it doesn't have to connect in a sense of Wonder Woman pops her head in a Batman movie, but more so like 
is it in the same universe? Because if you're now telling me it's two different universes, that's making my mind explode because you're doing way too much. This, the simple solution could have been you recast Ben for an actor close, um, if not a little younger um, than, than what his Batman was. You plug that guy right in. If Henry Cavill's out, you replace him with someone around that age, you plug him right in. Flash, same thing. Green Lantern, you finally cast them. And then boom, you have a cohesive universe, people that want to be there. Um, excuse me. And you then don't have to ever worry about, well, at some point, aren't we going to have to like reboot the universe? Like, no, that's not a question you have to ask yourself because then it's like, all right, after Wonder Woman's trilogy, after Aquaman's trilogy, we still got to start a Batman one. We got to start a Superman one. We got to start a Flash one, a Green Lantern one. And then we could collapse everything with two Justice League movies. And then 10, 15 years later, you could say, all right, cool. Now do we want to completely reboot everything? Um, so I think a lot of people are more so in the mindset of it was a simple fix. But now you've made it so much more complex with telling me that, yeah, this universe is here. And then we're going to start this universe over here. And on top of that, we got an else world that connects to nothing. And it's just like, you're making me pay attention to too many different things. Um, and I was talking to my friend, Joel, who is of the mindset of, just watch the movie. Like, it's a movie. Stop trying to make things connect and, and, and be cohesive. And to me, it's like, if the DCEU didn't start off being so co cohesive and being uh, such a team-oriented uh, universe, I wouldn't be so obsessed with it. Like, if you just had a Superman movie, then a Batman, then a Wonder Woman, then an Aquaman, and at no point did it connect, you could do whatever you want because you've never connected it. But it'd be like if, you know, if Feige said, all right, guys, you know the MCU you've known for like 12 years? That's one universe. Now Spider-Man is about to start a whole new universe. And it's like, that. why? <laughs> like, why would you do that? Just keep it in the same universe, and if need be, fill in the holes that are there. Um, so my question back to you is, do you kind of see that, or is that more so of fans just being butthurt to be butthurt? Or could you understand the, the idea of it was literally a simple fix of plugging in holes rather than starting this whole confusing cycle of what looks like to be separate from what we already know to be a actual universe that was started. Uh, I mean, I, again, I, I'm a fan. I was, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Zack Snyder's work in general. And I was a fan of, uh, what he was doing with the DC movies. I'm one of the, I, I, I will never understand the intense dislike, uh, that, that so many critics and such a large portion of, of audiences and fans had for Batman v Superman. Um, although I will note for the record that the, the hate among critics and among certain elements of fandom for that movie was disproportionate compared to how mainstream audiences didn't hate it. I mean, they didn't, they didn't love it. They gave it a B cinema score, which is, a, is clearly a sign that it did not have the love that you need for a movie like that. But the point is, uh, I understand why people love the films that came before. I loved Batman versus Superman, uh, especially the extended version of it. I, I watch that movie and rewatch it uh, frequently, and I do not understand how, even if somebody doesn't, 
totally like all of it. I have a lot of trouble understanding how people can just hate the whole movie or think that it's a bad movie. Uh, I, I don't get that. But that said, that's that's neither here nor there. I won't I won't relitigate the whole Batman versus Superman thing. But <laughs> uh, I thought Batman versus Superman was great. I thought uh, Man of Steel was very good. I thought Snyder elevated that. The script had a lot of problems, and I had complaints about the movie. But overall, it's a good movie. It holds up well over time, and Snyder did a really terrific job uh, with it. And I, of course, Wonder Woman is spectacular. Aquaman is spectacular. Um, Suicide Squad was very good. Uh, again, a, a movie that had flaws, and I had some complaints about it, but the extended version and the original full cut of it, I think, was very good. Um, and then Justice League was... That's a movie that the more I watch it now, in retrospect, especially after... And I know fans hate this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, <laughs> after seeing Infinity War and Endgame and seeing what's possible for big movies like that... And uh, without getting into too much detail here, but I will make a sneaky little hint that uh, knowing more information now about what Snyder intended and knowing how actually far along he got compared to what for a long time we've been led to believe about that, uh, I think it's, it's very sad we did not get to see his Justice League, and I hope that we do get to see it because uh, it deserves to see the light of day in whatever form it exists, including any form that happens to be much more far, much farther along than anyone has been told or than the, than has been admitted by the the studio. Um, so I believe. I, I understand there's a lot of reason to like it, and I think we could have had something truly epic with Justice League. But the film we got, it's a it's a live action cartoon. It's the Super Friends with some really uh, with some great sequences that that happen to be the ones filmed by Zack Snyder, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I think Shazam was fantastic. So there's actually a lot of greatness in what came before with the DCEU. But that said, the simple fact that I've had to wrap my head around that the filmmakers and that I know, you know, Zach and Deborah talked about this directly to us. Uh, I was on the set of justice league and I talked to them about it and I know they were disappointed that they weren't getting to do the larger multi-part storyline they wanted to do, but they recognized and said, you know, obviously we were going for a deconstruction of the superhero genre. And we understood that. And we felt that Marvel was doing you know, the, the more traditional comic book interpretation of the superhero genre. It's been around for more than a decade now. It's been such the, so dominant at the box office. They felt like, look, everyone has seen Superman and Batman already. We've seen those characters. Uh, we've seen superhero team-ups. We've seen superhero cinema. So they were looking to do a deconstruction of it and say, what if instead of just following the same approach, we tried something different and went for that kind of a deconstruction that, that DC's characters actually opened the door for in a, in a lot more obvious kind of way than maybe the Marvel characters do. And people think deconstruction means just tearing something apart, but it's not. Deconstruction is about taking something that's understood a certain way and that everyone has a general kind of common conception of and you take it apart to see how it works and then you reassemble it with paying attention to the component parts and see how how taking it apart allows you to put it back together in something new and stronger and that's what they were going for but a lot of people i think didn't understand that and more to the point a lot of mainstream audiences simply didn't want that 
they didn't want that degree of deconstruction of their characters. And, you know, that's, that's a matter of taste and of expectation. And I can love the films while also agreeing with Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder when they said, obviously, the mainstream audiences didn't want the level of deconstruction that we were going for and that we thought would be really good and would work well with these characters. And I, I think that's true. And I think it's, it's, it doesn't mean we have to agree with the mainstream audience to say we understand it. I can understand it even if I personally, you know, I've read all the comics. You've read the comics. So we can watch a movie that deconstructs the relationship between Batman and Superman, and we get the nuances and we can appreciate that in a way that a mainstream audience, you know, the average person has not read comic books. The average person out there has never seen Batman and Superman on screen together, and they wanted to see them as superheroes on screen together rather than the first time they see them together, watching them be deconstructed and fight one another and then Superman die at the end. Uh, again, I can like it, and I'm not I'm not complaining about that. I'm just pointing out mainstream audiences had issues with that, and I can understand why. I do get it. So if you're Warner Brothers, uh, I don't think I think they should have toughed it out. I think they should have said, "Look, we're committed to this vision. We're going to let Zach continue what he's doing and make the movies he's doing." Unfortunately, there were reactionary elements that were more concerned with the bottom line and with getting their personal bonus check at the end of the year. And that ate into a lot of it, unfortunately. And that's why, for example, they were not, they didn't want to, to delay uh, production on Justice League to give Zach and Deborah time that they needed uh, for personal, uh, personal things with their family and instead uh, work toward trying to hurry and rush the reshoots and bring someone else in and then get a movie put out on time because by meeting the release date, that meant everyone got their bonuses. So it became a lot more about letting expectations and IP exploitation and revenue streams dominate the decision-making rather than what was best for the long-term viability of these franchises and characters. I mean, that if they had gone with and let Zach continue what he was doing, and I'm sorry I'm babbling a bit here. Um, but no, if they'd no, let no, him you're get fine. What he's doing, that it would have built a bigger, more solid foundation for that universe to continue forward. That didn't happen. So instead, what we got is kind of a mishmash and where they've had to pull back and now they're saying, look, we're going to make these movies. Uh, we're not going to do what was happening before, which was letting the desire for hurrying up the crossovers and hurrying up building these things and meeting deadlines was kind of started dominating the executive thinking and they didn't want to do that. So now they're saying we're going to make the movies. We're not going to concern ourselves with continuity and keeping references to the, the tie-ins and crossover stuff. We're going to let the movies be their own thing and do what they're doing. And I understand why that's the new approach now, even if I also find it unfortunate that we didn't get what we could have had and what you know Zack Snyder was building toward. But we have to be realistic. This is a business. This is a business, and these are characters with revenue streams that are hundreds of millions of dollars a year. They're not making these movies for a, a, a specific just corner of fandom. These movies have to play globally, and they have to hit hundreds of millions of dollars, upwards of a billion dollars now, to be considered viable and successful, to generate the revenue that will make it worth maintaining a whole shared world. 
So if people wanted them to just try to plug holes and to fill things in and do that's that's doing what what was what in war you call meatball surgery, where you're all you're doing is trying to keep the patient stable and keep them from bleeding out so that they can get up and go on rather than trying to fix the underlying problem and treat the illness and cure it. And they had to do one of two things, either continue what Snyder was doing or go in a different direction. And at the point it all started to fall apart, (laughs) uh, and now you've got new leadership at Warner Brothers, and we may even see additional changes in leadership at the studio level with, you know, once AT&T fully puts uh, puts their foot down. Um, I think that at this point, I think it's acceptable and I think it's fine, actually, to say, look, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to keep the things that worked and keep it going and the things that didn't, we're going to step back, we're going to take a couple of years, and we're going to develop and reboot those things. And we're going to make good ones, and uh, we're going to try to make good ones, and then we're going to decide. We're going to look at everything and say what works and what doesn't, what's successful and what's not. They haven't been crossing over, so now what's the best way forward? Is it to cross everything back over again, or is it to say we're going to now stop the things that, from what was old, and we're going to just focus on the new? And I think it's I think it seems messy to everyone right now because we're watching the sausage be made. We have the internet, everyone is constantly speculating. We've had a year of nothing but ridiculous rumors, and I've tried to tell people over and over, stop listening to all the rumor mongering about a new Superman movie, about Henry Cavill, about Ben Affleck coming back, about whether it's a prequel or a sequel and all that. It's all rumor mongering. Most of this is just completely rumor mongering, and it's anon- uh, people are saying they have sources when what they're really doing is talking to anonymous fans on message boards, or they're talking to other journalists and then listening to what those journalists say and then trying to make their best guess at what it all means and then claiming they got it sourced. Other journalists aren't sources, and journalists can't and shouldn't use other journalists and casual conversations as sources. You need people at the studio level. You need people who work at the comic book company. You need people involved in the production. You need people with access. Um, And I'll give you an example. A lot of people think, well, you know, what do you know? What don't you know? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Well, you know, I I talk to people that are working on these films. I go to set visits. Uh, I talk to people at the studio. I talk to people associated with the studio. I talk to people at the comic book company. And I get various bits of information, some of it better than others. And when I get multiple sources from multiple perspectives giving me the same information, generally I tend to think, okay, that's probably true. So I'm going to look and see if I can confirm it. I'll see if I can get anyone on the record. I'll see if I can get someone on background, whatever it is. And if I can confirm information well enough that I feel it's, it's likely or it's worth reporting, I put it in a story. If I don't, I either keep it to myself or I'll talk about it on social media with the understanding I'm talking about this stuff that I've heard. This is mm-hmm. conversation about things I've heard. This isn't me reporting news. And a lot of people misunderstood that after my article came out. And so I think that's where a lot of anger came from is because I was saying, look, here's what DC, here's what Warner's going to do with DC movies. And at the start, I had the caveat that, you know, they could, it, they could, of course, decide that it's worth merging these things back together. There's a lot of ways it could go, but generally the information points in this direction. Here's what I think is going to happen. And then after that, people kept jumping in in the middle of the threads and picking individual 
tweets. And then in the course of that conversation, I'm not going to include every qualifier and say it's possible, it's not 100%, blah, blah, and re-explain the same damn information and the same meaning behind whether I put it in an article versus on Twitter. I can't, every time somebody wants to ask me something, have an entire huge Twitter thread where I'm just repeating the same thing again. So yeah, if you ask me that for the 10th time, what are they going to do? I'm going to say they're going to do this. Even though what I'm saying is what I mean is this is what I think this is what I think they're going to do. This is what I believe they're going to do. I'm assuming that's what they're going to do because that's the information I've heard and I've already made my caveats and I'm not going to keep restating them like a broken record. No, I I completely understand where you're coming from. And we unfortunately are in a time where um, it's it's. Everyone feels as though, like I experience, we we're not in the scoop business. We're we're not at all. Um, there was a few times we we've had information that um you know that we've then released that turned out to to be true. But we by no means are a scoop related, uh, you know, business. So to me, I I pay attention, um, you know, to people who are actually coming with logical information. I pay attention to you. I don't pay attention to to anything else. We mainly are trying to figure out a way to create an algorithm to kind of show people these, like, uh, I don't want to say any trades names, but these other sites that just release information just to release information. And then you're kind of just like, none of that is true. I mean, you remember when people were like, oh, my God, did you guys see IMDb? That means... um, Silver Surfer is in Infinity War. And it's like, that's not even legally possible. Like, they couldn't put him in Infinity <laughs> yeah. War. And then you just had the new report of, um, if you checked IMDb, you see that Hawkman and Hawkgirl are in Wonder Woman 84. It's like, where are you getting any of this information from? Like, that can't be your source. Um, so by no means should um, people, like, you just have to be careful who you're listening to. Um, but as far as what you were saying about um, it, it not needing to connect, I was, I was going to completely 100% agree with you. I think even if you filled in the holes, um, you didn't need to connect. Like, to me, my biggest issue with Captain Marvel was I felt the difference between Captain Marvel leading into Endgame and Black Panther leading into Infinity War, if you didn't stay for that end credit scene of Bucky, there's nothing about Black Panther that makes you think, oh, Infinity War is coming next. Like if you're a if you're a casual moviegoer who's not really keeping up with, oh, Infinity War is coming up, blah blah blah. Nothing about Black Panther felt like, all right, get ready, Infinity War is coming. Nothing of it felt like its own movie. Like it was completely its own thing. Captain Marvel to me felt like it literally was there to tell you, like, hey, we just want to explain to you guys why Captain Marvel is in Endgame. And to me, that's not fair to Captain Marvel. Um, it needed to come out at a time where it could just be its own thing. And then, you know, you happen to have the end credit scene to where she shows up and she's like, where's Fury? Um, but I think the fact that it came out literally right before Endgame, it kind of just felt like it was made to explain why she's there. Um, so you don't have to go into detail in Endgame on why she's there. Um, so to me, I am all for movies just standing on its own two feet. Um, Shazam, outside of, excuse me, 
um, you seeing the headless Superman at, at the end, um, the only connective <laughs> tissue, <laughs> that, that will forever bother me. That will forever bother me that they had a headless um, Superman, and it's kind of like, get Henry in there, like, or, or something. Um, but the only connective tissue Shazam possible, had... That was unfortunately, but... Yeah. Say it again? Say it. That getting Henry in there was not possible, unfortunately. I think if it had been me, I probably would have paid Richard Madden uh, some money and said, "Hey, what will you? How much will it take for you to stand there in a Superman suit for a, a, a eight second shot? Because he looks enough like uh, Henry in the face that if he's standing there in the suit, then it would have been it, it, you could have had it. You know, audiences would have been like, "Oh, that's the Superman from the other movies," and it would have been plenty to to get the point across i was a hundred percent a hundred percent i would have been fine with with uh with madden he definitely does look a little like henry cavill um but yeah the only connective tissue we got in shazam excuse me was when freddie i believe pulled out the um the battering that looked just like ben affleck's uh battering so that way you were like oh okay yeah this is obviously in the same universe and then of course the cherry on top was seeing headless superman um, so I'm fine with you telling me Matt Reeves is Batman, like at no point in it will you see Wonder Woman or in no point of it will you get a mention of any other heroes. I am a hundred percent fine with that. That's usually what all superhero movies should be. And then that's what, that's why end credit scenes meant so much for the MCU, because that was your connective tissue. That was when you said, Oh my God, like, you know, the Batman had an end credit scene of, him uh, looking at a newspaper of Superman, like, oh, my God, like, it's connected. Like, that, to me, is all you need to do if you're Warner Brothers. That is your connective tissue. But nothing of the actual full-length movie needs to be catered to you preparing for a team-up or anything like that. So if that's the formula they're going with, it's the same formula Kevin Feige just said. We realize that's what we want to do. Like, it, it's the smart way to go. Um, so to me... I, that's why I said just reboot everything and have everything stand alone. And then when you start to feel comfortable, um, you take whatever your biggest, uh, you know, money makers are at the time. Like if Batman is, is making crazy money and Wonder Woman is, at, at some point when you, when you realize you want to start to do team-up movies, you just plug it in credit scenes. Um, and it's just as simple as it needs to be. But I think sometimes I think it's overrated when we say, you're doing too much to the fan base. Like the fact that the fans this year will see Phoenix's Joker and then next year see Leto's Joker in Birds of Prey. I, I, I don't think that's too much of a confusion. I think they pretty much get that they're two different Jokers. But I think the confusion you will get is when there's a Supergirl movie, but there's no Superman. Um, and we don't know that there won't be, because I, I want to preface that. That could definitely be something we see in a Supergirl movie. Um, but I think where you start to confuse people is when they get the question of, is any of this connected? And your answer is no. Like, wait, what? So it, it, when you say it's not connected, do you just mean like when the Doom Patrol um, showrunner said, Doom Patrol is not connected to Titans? I think what they essentially meant was, you won't see any of the Titans characters in this season of Doom Patrol because it is connected because we saw Doom Patrol in Titans. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, we just want to get where your headspace is at. And I kind of think if you keep telling people like, hey, don't worry, we're just here to make movies. I can guarantee you every time your movie releases, 
the question is going to come up to the director, the writer, the actors, like, are you guys ever going to interact with Wonder Woman? And they're going to force to always have to say, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. All I know is this movie. That's all they told me. Um, and, and I think it's an unfortunate position to put them in. So I think the best thing to do is um, at some point, very soon, rather than later, um, reboot it all. That way, everyone knows going forward, these movies stand alone. Till I decide I want them to actually connect. Uh, and I think you'll get the fan base because, again, like you know this uh, as well as anybody, fans are going to complain about something always. That's why I said um, if, if I was Warner Brothers, I'd make a huge impact on this year's San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and one of the things I said I would make a huge impact on is casting Supergirl. I would get as much of the Batman casting out uh, during that. And... You, you, I, I feel like you're going to tell me I'm 100% wrong and I'm ready for it. Um, but I believe <laughs> that not only is Ezra out, I 100% believe, whether it's the directors or the studio, they know exactly who they want to, to fill in um, once they officially announce that Ezra is indeed out. Um, and to me, I want them to make a splash the same way. Do you remember the year um, Marvel had... I think it was Guardians 2, uh, Black Panther, um, Spider-Man. Like, they had a few different panels. And then Kevin Feige got everyone on stage, and then he ended the night with the mic drop of Brie Larson is our Captain Marvel. That was well before we had a script, directors, or anything. Um, I think the smartest thing to do is to do that with Green Lantern, do that with Flash. Um, kind of just get good faith back in people who are hearing snooze. Um, and they're just like, I need good stuff. And I don't think if the only thing you're offering me is a trailer to Birds of Prey, which the general public probably won't see till later this year, um, and the trailer to Wonder Woman 84, I do not think that's enough um, for this San Diego Comic-Con. So I'm curious your thoughts. Um, is any, do you think any of that is necessary for San Diego Comic-Con? And I'm more importantly curious of how wrong do you think I am about this flash situation? Well, I'll start off with the Flash thing. Uh, I'm keeping, uh, I have an article coming about all this on the Flash, okay. by the way. So, uh, and I've been sitting on it for a while because I was waiting for stuff to play out. And I had some family and some health stuff that I have to ha have been t needing to take care of. Um, but I'll say uh, I wrote an article. The last time I addressed the Flash situation was in an article uh, a couple of months ago where I mentioned that uh, nobody should be surprised if this turns into, if it winds up turning into a reboot instead. Uh, and I think realistically, I think most people, uh, I think a lot of us did, and most people should have taken the news of, uh, of Ezra Miller trying his hand at a script because of his disagreement with the, the filmmakers and the studio about where they wanted the film to go and what they wanted the film to be. He didn't agree with that direction. He wanted something different, something more serious and darker and more uh, of a continuation of what Zack Snyder was doing in with the DC universe. And uh, I know that's not what the the new the current <laughs> the currently attached filmmakers and writers wanted, and I know that's not what the studio really wanted. But they let him 
take a stab at it. They have a relate working relationship with him, and he's working on another major franchise for them with the the Fantastic Beasts uh, series. So I think a lot of that was out of respect and deference to Miller that they they let that go forward and him give that a try and everything. But you know, uh, I think most of us kind of recognize that as kind of a last hurrah that it was the last ditch effort to keep Ezra Miller involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I could be wrong about that, uh, possibly, and we'll see when I when I finish out and, and run my article on this here uh, later sometime this month, depending on when I can nail some information down. But right now, I would just say, I would reiterate my point that I think there's a pretty good chance the film is going to wind up uh, being a reboot. Um, And I think people should prepare themselves for that. So there's a reason that when I'm talking, when I've been talking about the continuation of certain DC franchises like Wonder Woman and Aquaman and stuff, uh, I didn't mention The Flash. (laughs) So uh, uh, keen eyes might have, have noticed that that, the t- that that film was not mentioned when I was discussing it. Um, in terms of the question of uh, Comic Con and announcing stuff, I think that the, I, I think DC is actually making the right choice here to not get into fall into the trap of trying to just announce projects that aren't ready to be announced yet. Uh, Marvel can do that because all Marvel makes are superhero movies. They know they're going to make all these movies. They're going to make everything, and they're moving forward at any given time. They've got, like, you know, four or five projects. I mean, right now, consider they've got two films that are going to, that are shooting for next year, uh, a couple more that are in uh, pre-production, and one or two that are in early stages of development. They've got half a dozen of these movies being actively worked on right now, at least. And those are all getting made. Those are the ones they know they're releasing. Uh, we have kind of a, you know, I've got a list generally of the films that are, that are, are going to come out, uh, the Phase 4 Marvel movies, and what, what it's generally going to look like. Uh, like, you know, for example, uh, I can tell you now that generally speaking, we're looking at Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi, Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, Captain Marvel 2, uh, probably a Spider-Man 3 because they are, I know there are talks back and forth between Sony and Marvel, which kind of goes to our earlier point. We didn't get around to that, but they're already talking from my understanding. Um, Probably a Fantastic Four movie is going to be in Phase 4, is my guess. And then, you know, Guardians 3... Uh, probably some sort of Avengers-type team-up is expected. Um, there might be a Namor movie in there somewhere, maybe. Who knows? So, that, But they're not doing a big crossover, overarching story like they did with the Infinity Saga stuff. So that, leaves, that means we're going to get more standalone movies and franchises that are telling their own story across multiple of their own movies. Uh, and this, uh, this all kind of this is a totally different subject. We could do a whole different podcast about the Disney plans to kind of eventually move away from theatrical release for a lot of their stuff and go direct to consumers on their streaming service. Once it's big enough at the point they hit a hundred million subscribers, they don't have to release. They only have to release their big event movies in the theaters. And I I suspect they're going to start doing what Netflix does. They'll release movies for two to three weeks and then it comes exclusively to the Disney streaming service. And that way they get that opening box office. They get the huge initial oomph where they get the largest percentage of the box office revenue. And then it goes to their streaming platform. 
And that encourages everyone to get on the streaming platform because all the rest of the movies, what would be solo movies, end up becoming a mini series or a, a you know a little short four to six episode series for the characters instead. The budget's lower. They don't have to spend a hundred million to market the movie, and all the revenue goes to them. And when you look at the numbers, at six dollars, six to ten dollars uh, a month, uh, you know it'll start at six. It'll probably eventually go up to ten. For Disney mm. Plus, well, if they have a hundred million people, think about what the revenue stream on that is. What you're talking about yeah. there per month, you're talking about you know billions of dollars per month. So at the end of the year, the revenue stream from the Disney Plus is going to be vastly higher than what they would have got if they'd released all that stuff in theaters because they only get a portion of the box office. Um, so uh, I think for Warner Brothers. They're not making just these movies. They, Warner makes a huge slate of films and superhero movies. They've only got maybe two or three superhero films in production in a given year. So they don't need to rush to announce a lot of stuff. I think the smartest thing for them to do at Comic-Con will be to show footage from Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey, have Matt Reeves come out and talk about some Batman casting, uh, have uh, Ava DuVernay come out and talk about uh, the new gods, and maybe a surprise update about Supergirl and letting people know that the script's, you know, the script's done and we're going to be – I have not heard anything change yet, and I'll, I'll obviously report it if I do hear a change. But as of right now, the last time I checked in with, with sources was before I went out of town to, to see my mom, um, and that was in early May. And that's the last time I heard from anyone, and all I heard was everything's still on track which means what I heard previously still holds, which is they're looking at tentatively starting production in uh, the first quarter of 2020 for a Supergirl movie. And I, so I, I, that's what I would announce. I don't think they need to announce a lot more. I think they need to wait, and I think they're very smart to say you don't want a situation where you go out and announce a bunch of movies like they did previously when they announced you know, a ridiculously large slate of films for DC – and then you end up not being able to make them, that's an embarrassment. And that looks really bad, and that's how people lose their jobs at executive levels. Walter Hamada is doing, I think, the smart thing. He's come in, he's, been, he's charged with fixing this situation that he didn't create, and it's not a judgment thing. He's, you know, It doesn't matter. Again, I love the previous DCEU movies, but it's not about that judgment. It's about here's the reality now. Here's who's there. Here's what projects there are. We have to fix things. Do What are you going to do? And he's taking a slower approach, more methodical. He's being cautious. He's saying we're going to look at what works and what's doable, and we're going to move forward with that. We're not going to announce things until we're ready to announce them. And I think that's the smart move because they're still sorting out what's going to happen. And things could go with the AT&T merger. Look, you know, <laughs> we're – Look at the numbers that came in for, you know, Godzilla, for example. Uh, the AT&T took on a very large debt load to make this merger. And because of that, uh, if the federal in if the interest rates are raised, which is what it looks like is going to happen, and if any of their movies, if they have multiple films underperformed by Warner Brothers and they don't come in at a higher level, there's gonna, that's going to put some significant financial pressure on AT&T. You know, the rising interest rates on that kind of a debt load plus 
the underperformance and you don't have the revenue streams you expected, that can become a problem really quick. And I know that there has been quiet talk behind the scenes. Uh, there was some talk about hypothetically, if we had to spin some companies off and sell off some assets from Time Warner, what would they be? Uh, mm -hmm. So they're mindful of that and they're aware that this this is hanging out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could. So you don't want to be in a position of going into Comic-Con and announcing a huge slate of films again and trying to drum up. You don't want to drum up false attention. And that's hype. That's the difference between hype and reality. Hype is when you're overstating things and getting caught up in a moment. And it's not a reflection necessarily of the reality. And I think they need to avoid that because they were hit hard by that previously. So I would just, I'd, I'd bring the footage for Birds of Prey. I'd bring the footage for Wonder Woman 84. It's going to blow people's minds. I know factually, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, it's going to blow people's minds. And uh, that, that footage, plus Matt Reeves coming out with Robert Pattinson and talking about Batman, uh, Ava DuVernay talking about and coming out with the cast, the, the people who've been cast for uh, New Gods, uh, mm -hmm. And then some, maybe some Supergirl news. They're also going to have the stuff for the streaming service and for the you know uh, DC Universe shows, wow. which brings up your point about they've got CW, they've got you know the, the Warner Brothers runs CW. They've got the DC Universe stuff. I would actually have put all the stuff on the same. I'd put all the stuff on DC Universe and also on the CW, and I would just go ahead and cross them over. I'd have the Titans show exist. And they've gone kind of a little more R-rated with it. I would tone that back yeah. a little bit if it were me, and I'd go for more of a hard PG-13 level. Uh, you don't have to tone the violence back that much, but the profanity and some of the other stuff, I would bring it. I'd, I'd rein it in just a little bit, and then I would go with uh, putting that all together. But uh, you know, people, audiences are smart. They're not confused about that. They know that okay, these are different things. They're not confused about why isn't the Flash from TV and Supergirl from TV in the Justice League movie? Some people are, but there's also people who ask why Batman wasn't in the Avengers. You know, so what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, I, I think that the, the concern about confusion and all of these changes confusing people is more among fandom than mainstream audiences. Mainstream audiences carry around a perpetual amount of confusion about certain things. Yeah. But for the mm -hmm. most part, they want good stories and they want stuff that works and that's it. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the Joker this year and then next year, Birds of Prey. I, that Jared Leto is not in Birds of Prey, by the way. Uh, his there Joker was... doesn't, there, there's a shot. Uh, there's a moment that I know people have, have talked about, uh, a leaked. I don't remember if it's been confirmed yet or not, but there's there's a picture that's like somebody that's vaguely you can tell is supposed to be the Joker up in a window while Harley's walking away and he's throwing her shit out the window or something. But can I say that? Yeah. I, I don't know if we're, we can curse the show. Uh, he's throwing oh, yeah, stuff out can. the window that's or fine. whatever. No, you're fine. <laughs> that's it's a stand-in, and they're not going again. You know, it's there's this real weird line, and the people keep joking and going on about the is it a sequel? Is it a soft reboot or not? You know, all I can tell you is the attitude is they're casting a lot of the same people in, in Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey. But I can tell you factually on the sets of these movies, when they're talking about them, they're being very careful to say it's not actually necessarily a sequel, even though we're carrying some of the same characters forward. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, uh, the more characters they carry forward, the more obvious it is that like, look, we may as well just call it a sequel because everyone's going to consider it one. 
but they don't necessarily treat it as such. They aren't thinking of it, and they're approaching it as this is its own story, and we're not going to mention the other stuff necessarily. Even though the same actors are playing them, we're doing a spinoff where we, you know, the new Terminator movie. It's a Terminator movie. Is it a sequel to Terminator Genesis or not? It follows it. Yeah. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. It's about the exact same stories and plots. That's He's true. That's, that's a really again. good point. Is that a sequel or not? You know, which movies, this idea that you that sometimes we can say it's okay to pick and choose and other times you can't, it's, it gets a little pedantic to me. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, look, just call Suicide Squad to a sequel. Call Birds of Prey a sequel because those, you know, Suicide Squad, the first one, did pretty good and was pretty popular, generally speaking. So yeah. you may as well just go ahead and say it's a sequel and not get cute with it. But I think they weren't sure what they wanted. And so some people were saying it's, a sequel and some people were saying this is not a sequel it's its own thing we just recast some of the same people in roles that we had to carry we had to have these certain characters so rather than recast them it made sense to bring these actors back kind of like M in you know in uh, uh uh the James Bond movies you know okay Dench played yeah. M in Casino Royale even though Casino Royale is a complete reboot but she was mm-hmm. the same character She's the same character and the same actress playing her. So it's all kind of that. that, It's a little messy, but at the end of the day, our audience is going to care. No, nobody's going to give a shit. If it's a good movie, that's all they're going to care about, period. That's all they're going to care about. And if you want to think of it as a sequel, you can. If you want to ignore the first one and say, I hated it, but I like this movie, you can think whatever you want. That's ultimately what it all comes down to. And I think they're at a point to where it's kind of just like, to me, my biggest thing was when, when I first heard the, the reboot uh, talk, and then I heard like Margot Robbie was going to make an appearance. I'm like, it's not a reboot then. And then you heard the um, Viola Davis coming back uh, and then stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not a reboot. Like, it's just not a reboot. And it's okay for you to say we're different, but you're not a reboot. Just be different. Like, that's literally all you have to do. And you don't have to call yourself a sequel either. Um, because to me, the advantage the Suicide Squad has as a franchise is in the comics, it was forever changing. So it's always going to be different than the last if, you're, if your cast always changes, which it should. Um, that's the biggest thing I want James Gunn to hopefully I have. I hope he has implemented in his movie. I don't want everyone in this movie to be in his next Suicide Squad if he decides to do the, the next one. Um, I, I do want there to be a core, maybe two or three that you keep. Um, now, whether that's whoever Idris is playing, um, Will Smith, is maybe if he comes back, I don't really see how that's going to work. But if Will Smith decides to come back later on um, in Harley, like maybe you want those to be your three or work Captain Boomerang in. Um, but the whole team should not be the same whole team you bring into the next movie, because that's not what the Suicide Squad has ever really been in the comics. It's always ever changing. That's why it's kind of like, excuse me, when they were like, they weren't really bringing a lot of the people back from the first one. I'm like, yeah, that's not a shocker. Like Deadshot was the biggest shock to me because I'm like, you can't, that's kind of like your, your footnote. Like that's the stable guy is, is uh, Deadshot. So I'm like, you not using Deadshot was confusing to me. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to say to, say to you um, before I, I go back into the, um, the comments you were saying about uh, Comic-Con is, I know you probably already know, so I don't necessarily want to put you in a position to engage in this conversation. I just want to throw out my idea. I think it would be a huge mistake if um, 
James Gunn does not make Idris Elba, uh, like if they don't recast Slade Wilson and make him Slade Wilson, I think if you make him, um, oh man, I just forgot the the character's name. Uh, Bronze Tiger. Yes, Bronze Tiger. I think that's a huge mistake. And the reason why I think it's a huge mistake is Idris Elba, for all the movies some people think are bad, and there's been a couple, um, it's still a box office draw. So to me, if you make him Slade Wilson, that character can span over franchises. And if the Batman does have Robin in it, Robin could spin off to a Titan. Then you could spin in um, De- uh, Deathstroke for the villain of that. Uh, you could also have a Batman uh, film that has him versus Slade. That could be box office. So to me, it's like if you make him Bronze Tiger, you're boxing him in so much because to me, I don't ever want to see a Bronze Tiger solo movie. Um, like, I don't care enough about the character for you to give me the history of him. Um, he only fits in Suicide Squad. Um, so to me, it's like, open it up. Like, you have Idris Elba. Open it up. That's why, to me, Deadshot worked. Because I'm like, I'll take a solo film of Deadshot. Um, and then you could have Deadshot in a Batman movie uh, or whatnot. Excuse me. But I do think it's a huge mistake not to have him be someone that can span over franchises so you're not giving him a Heimdall situation all over again. Um, I'm curious before I, I continue, your thoughts on that. And if you can't speak to it, I completely get it. I just wanted to throw to you my idea. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I'm not sure if I... what I'm not sure if I understand. Like, are you saying... Uh, do you want me to, I guess I'll respond about, you want, you want me to respond about the idea of Elba playing Deadshot instead or versus no, playing, playing Bronze Tiger or the need to bring playing, him to bring uh, Deadshot back in? No, no, no. More so, uh, I said Deadshot. I apologize. I meant, uh, I'll just say Slade Wilson because I always mix up, mix up Deathstroke and, and Deadshot. Slade Wilson. I, I do think Slade Wilson should be recast. Uh, I thought Joe Manganiello worked for what they were doing um, in the, the Snyder universe, but now that obviously they're looking to kind of change things up, recast the character. Make him Idris Elba, um, because that's not only a huge box office draw, um, you're giving him a very prominent character that we will see again this year in, in Titan Season 2, but he also could span over franchises with a character like Slade Wilson. Well, I think that, I think he'd be great. I mean, I'd be happy to see, uh, 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 Deathstroke appear in a movie. Um, I was, I thought of course that it was, I was excited for the little, the, the idea of him being in the Batman movie. And I was excited to see, I loved that little, uh, post credit scene between him and Luther. Uh, mm-hmm. so if that's who it, if, if that is who it turned out to be, and they cast uh, Elba as as uh, uh, Deathstroke, then that would be, you know, I'd I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be totally down with it. Just that's not what I've heard. What I've heard is it's Bronze Tiger, and uh, I think um, I think as far as Deadshot being in the Suicide Squad, uh, at the end of the day, honestly, you know, I've read Suicide Squad comics, and I, I think uh, I think that. The key is to get interesting, fun casting of the characters and then just assemble a really uh, 
kind of irreverent slate of characters and put these people together who normally you would never, if you put them in a room together and just watch the shit go down is kind of the idea. And I think that's exactly what Gunn likes to do. And I think that's what James Gunn is going for is the, the, the fun of these very different types of characters and the crazier, the better and put them in a room together and get them, uh, you know, it's, you pull the pin out of the grenade and toss it in the room and see what happens is kind of what's happening is what's going on. And I, you know, I, I thought, uh, I liked Will Smith in the role for uh dead shot. And that's just, that's kind of hard to recast Will Smith. You know, when Will Smith has played, has done, he, he's Will Smith, first of all, and then he's Will Smith doing a great performance as a really cool character. So right. that's the trifecta of pain in the ass when it comes to reca- trying to recast that role. So I think yeah. I understand why they'd get distance from it. That said, Idris Elba would have been, you know, one of the few actors maybe capable of stepping into those shoes and doing that and pulling it off in a way that people liked and accepted. But he's he's not going to do that. So I'm I'm fine with personally with leaving Deadshot out and and bringing him back later and you know give some breathing room before you try to recast the Will Smith role. Um, mm-hmm. it, I do think that, yeah, I think that, uh, Deathstroke would be a good alternate person to step in and fill those shoes. And Elba would certainly be a terrific actor to take that role on and do that with that role. Um, but again, it's, it's the kind of thing where, well, is that the first time we want to see, you know, is, is the first cinematic appearance of Deathstroke besides his cameo in Justice League, is this the best way to bring him into the universe? And, you know, that's a valid question. I think if, if that's what they decide to do, that'd be great. But I also, I think Bronze Tiger being on the team, you know, he's been on the team in the comics. He's a, he's a character that is different and brings something unique to the table for this kind of a team that our gun is really assembling a really kind of irreverent collection of characters here. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in seeing what he does with, and I think it's, I think he'll be good for the role. Uh, I mean, you Idris Elba would be good for just about any role, which is why everyone instantly fan casts him as everything <laughs> every time a role yeah. comes up. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm. I guess I don't really have. I don't have enough of a. I don't have a strong. A, I don't have a strong feeling that they really need to bring uh, this character or that character into the Suicide Squad. I mean, I would have been fine if they didn't. I know. I understand why they brought Harley back, but I'd have been fine if they'd recast the entire film and just brought in a whole new slate of characters and actors for it. You know, I was right. ready for whatever they wanted to do with it. Um, and the fact that they're bringing back several characters uh, is, you know, I'm also fine with that. So at the end of the day, I, I, I have a lot of faith in James Gunn's ability to make a film like this work. And I'm interested in, I think, the characters he's using and the cast that he's assembled is really cool. So uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with it personally. But I, you know, I understand everyone has their, their prefer- character preferences and their casting preferences. I have the same sort of thing, so I'm not going to begrudge anyone who feels strongly about it. Uh, I, I feel lucky that I don't feel strongly about it, so I'm not going to be – it's hard for me to get disappointed when I don't really have a, a dog in the hunt, so to speak. Right, right, and that's the best way to, to approach all of these movies. Uh, my, my buddy Joel has that same mindset, and 
he's he's had calm nerves ever since he was able to uh, develop that into his mindset. Um, but before I let you go, I've had you on here way too long. No, you're a very busy man. Um, I, I did want to say, um, if if they do go to Comic Con with any Supergirl news, and you are looking to start production early 2020, uh, which is next year, um, I would like a casting. Um, and I, I think that if you're looking to start pr- production around then, you have an idea um, on who you'd like to play. I'd love Amelia Clark um, to play Supergirl. Um, I think she'd be freaking amazing. Um, I just think, it, it, to the point that I was making on uh, them kind of giving us casting announcements and stuff like that for Comic-Con was, you could give me a, ca- a, a cast, like they said before Green Lantern was something they wanted to do. Um, I assume that's been completely altered now. Um, but I, I, I think the struggle... Oh, they're still the- working. There's, there's, a, I, I'll t- there's a Green Lantern core movie, and they're, they're, they're going to do that. Uh, they're not going to mm-hmm. rush it because you don't want to get it wrong, but it's gonna, there's a Green Lan- there's, they're going to make the Green Lantern core. And I want them to, to yeah. understand with the Green Lantern movie, like, I, I think it was, over, it was overstated, like how horrible that original one was. Um, it shouldn't have made them nervous to make another one. Um, mainly because you made Batman forever, and then you continued to make Batman movies. So obviously it shows you that the characters mean more um, than one movie. Uh, So, you know, take your time, but, you know, not too long. We've waited long enough to see Hal Jordan and um, and, and Jon Stewart. Um, But the one thing I do think Supergirl will struggle with a little bit, um, especially if we don't have any news about Superman, is the idea that we're getting a Supergirl movie. We have not yet heard anything of either Superman being rebooted or getting a sequel to Man of Steel. And I think that bothers a lot of people. Um, the fact that everyone's getting a movie or getting a sequel um, or is moving forward, except for the guy you started the universe with. Um, so I, I just hope that we get some kind of inkling about what's going on with him. So I think people can better accept a Supergirl movie. Do um, you have any thoughts on that? Do you think it, it won't matter at all? Or do, can you see Supergirl kind of, not box office-wise, not even heading into the movie, but heading into uh, production, you know, more information we get, do you think not having a Superman at this moment will somewhat slight that movie? No, I don't think so at all. Honestly, I think that... Uh... A few things are true, and I, it's easy for fans. Again, we have people have their preferences. They love something, and so it can be. It kind of you can end up in a bubble on some of this stuff. And all of us, if you're a fan of anything, then you you already live in a, a, a some degree of a bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. Superman has been. Think about how many films Superman has been in. He was in Superman and the Mole Men, feature films. Superman and the Mole, Superman and the Mole Men, the first four Christopher Reeve movies. Superman Returns, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, and then a cameo in Shazam. He's had 10 cinematic appearances. The only characters, the only superheroes in history who've appeared on screen already more times than Superman are Batman, who has one more screen appearance with 11 compared to Superman's 10, and Captain America, who has 11, if you include his quick little brief cameos like in Thor the Dark World where Loki turns into looks like Cap for a minute. 
Right. So Superman has appeared basically as much as just about everybody else on screen, more than almost every other character, even more than Iron Man. Think about – or as much as Iron Man. I'm sorry. Iron Man appeared in 10 MCU movies. Superman's appeared on screen just as often. The last time we saw Superman on screen was just a few months ago in a cameo in Shazam. And before that, it was only 18 months ago we saw him in Justice League. So fans, Superman fans tend to kind of act like, oh, my God, he's not getting his due and we're being denied and we're deprived. And it's like, no, you have been the one of the least deprived elements of fandom. People who love <laughs> Superman are among the least deprived. Uh, there are lots of other characters who deserve a chance in the limelight, and not everything has to always come back to, but what about Superman? Because honestly, audiences haven't loved what was done with Superman lately. They just didn't. It was They were fine with it, but they didn't fall in love with that Superman, and it's I think it's worth taking time to get it right. I don't think it's hard to get Superman right. I just wrote an article not long ago at Quora about making the point that, no, it's not hard to get Superman right. Uh, but on the other hand, it is very hard to get Superman right because making any movie is hard. Getting any character right is hard. It's just right. a matter of figuring out what it takes to do it. And Superman's had his due. And guess what? He's on. He's had. He's been on TV and had more live-action iterations on TV than any other superhero as well. For the last like 30 years, he's been almost constantly on television while also constantly appearing in movies. So. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the public is like, oh, my God, it's been like 48 hours and I haven't seen Superman yet and I don't think I can go on. Supergirl can carry a movie. Uh, if people doubt that she's capable of it, ask yourself, well, what if Supergirl had never even been mentioned and no one really was aware of her in the mainstream public before and her movie came out in the spring? How might it perform? Well, Captain Marvel did over a billion dollars. You know, Wonder right. Woman's doing 800 plus million dollars. Female-led action and genre films are pretty popular, actually. And Supergirl has branding. She's got a popular hit TV. It's, her TV show is not a huge, you know, it's not enormous, but it's pretty consistent and it's good. And people like it. It gets good ratings and it gets good reviews for CW. Uh, and that's why they keep renewing it. So... She's a character who has a long history in the comic books. She's a character who has had her own standalone comic book series. She's a character who has had a previous one previous movie back in the 80s, actually, as bad as that movie was. She's been in the animated uh, TV shows. She's had been in animated films. She has a TV show now. So it's not like, oh, no one's going to know about Supergirl. I think that if the movie's good, it's going to do fine, and I don't think it needs Superman. I think, in fact, it, I, think, I don't think Superman should appear in it any more than, you know, not asking. We don't ask ourselves, well, does a Superman movie, can he really be on his own, or do we need to always be sure to put Batman in it? Or do we always need to put Supergirl in it? People were frustrated that he didn't get his own standalone movie without other superheroes as a sequel to Man of Steel. And, you know, it's, I think that we have to be willing to apply the same thing to other characters and not let our personal biases blind us and our personal preferences for one hero over another blind us to the reality that the mainstream public is perfectly happy to embrace a new superhero and a new version of a superhero as long as it's good. And Supergirl has branding, and she is a proven, successful brand. 
So including in live action. So I think her movie, is, I think it's going to do fine, uh, you know, especially when you consider, you know, coming back around to DC next year is going to have Wonder Woman sequel and a Birds of Prey movie. And I think Wonder Woman is going to hit a billion. And I think Birds of Prey is going to hit in the 800 million range. So they're going to have a year that could be as successful or more successful than Marvel. And then the next year they've got Batman and Suicide Squad sequel. I think they're both those are going to be huge films. And then if Supergirl comes in with that, you have a situation where, oh, they could have a year like a Marvel year where they have three movies that do 800 between 800 and or million or more at the box office. So I'm not worried about the Supergirl situation. I don't think Superman is getting the shaft. I don't think that there's a problem with waiting for a new Superman movie. Fans are just so we tend to be so anxious that waiting a week for something seems like a year to us. But Superman fans, just like Batman fans, if they I'm glad there's a Batman movie coming out. But if they said we're going to wait for Batman for a while, Batman's my favorite superhero. But I would have been fine with that because I understand he's been out there for a long time. We've got tons of Batman movies. He's been in more movies than any other superhero. It's okay if they wait a while for Batman. I can wait and other people deserve a chance to have their favorite heroes get some spotlight too. So uh, I'm not worried about it, especially because, you know, I know some of the ideas that are tossed around about the casting for Supergirl, which I, I won't get into, but they've got a diverse set of names that they're at least contemplating. And that's mm. great. And I think that helps the movie. So, yeah. you know, I, I think, and, and I'll, I'll, ad- I'll even address that. I'll address that, that I know people are like, Oh, why do they have to do it? Well, Nobody looks at all of the, the, the endless white superhero faces that we've seen in movies for the past 40 years or whatever. No one looks at that and goes, they keep making them white just because. But you know right. what? The truth is, these superheroes were all created white just because. Just because mm-hmm. most of them were created during segregation. Just because until the 80s and 90s, the demand from corporations was that the leads had to be white people because that's what was expected and that's who their target audience was. So it was always being forced down our throats. People say diversity is forced down our throats or it's an agenda. The entire concept of all of these heroes being white was an agenda since the inception of these heroes because it was mandated by companies that produced and published these comics and that made these movies. That's the truth. I'll even so white people being always all the characters being white was just because it was mandated. It was shoved down our throats and it was a political agenda, literally, because it was legal segregation. And that's how it was all created. If we aren't willing to say we're going to cast it, we're going to consider that not if everybody has to be the same color they were in comics, then 90 percent of superheroes will always be white because that's how most of the characters that are globally known were created. That's just the reality. So we have to be willing to say we're going to try, you know, if they wanted to cast someone like uh, Chandler Kinney, for example, from Blackish as Supergirl, why would that be a problem? Well, she was white in the comics. Yeah, she's an alien from another planet. Who gives a shit? (laughs) You know what? I look at it and mm -hmm. I think go ahead and cast who works for the role and putting – I think there is – I think they should actively seek to diversify these roles because otherwise you end up with an Avengers and a Justice League that are like 90% white people all the time. 
And what that means is these movies are increasingly going to piss off global diverse audiences who are sick of everything being kept the way it was when it was created under a segregated society. And see, you made a great point, and I've said this before, um, and and it really upsets me, um, you know, being, uh, you know, you know, being black, it upsets me when I hear this mainly because when the news, well, not, let me not say news, when the very false rumor of Michael B. Jordan replacing Henry Cavill came out, what upset me the <laughs> yeah. most was a lot of people didn't understand Superman is an alien. That's his race. Like, that's legit his race. Um, his race is not white. So to me, if you told me Krypton was black, which is technically what the show Krypton is doing, um, that it changes nothing. It literally changes right. not one thing. And then someone exactly. said to me, and I couldn't stop laughing. They were like, "Well, you know, his, you know, uh, Martha and 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 uh, and Pa, like they were, you know, they were white." And I'm like, "You do realize Superman had parents, and then they adopted him, right? Like they're not his birth parents. So you could have the same storyline of." A black Superman falls out of the sky and is adopted by this. You could even keep them, keep the parents white. I don't care. Like to me, you could say adoption because Superman, when he landed on Earth, was adopted. Making him black literally changes nothing. And do you know what we hear all the time uh, when when we say that on Twitter or Facebook? We get, uh, and I'm going to use this term, idiots who will say, well, what if we made Black Panther white? So hold on, let me get this straight. You think it will go well if you're telling me the leader of Wakanda is white? You're telling me you exactly. think that is the best possible <laughs> thing for you to do um, to sell audiences? I mean, I, I thought it was weird when Tom Cruise was the last samurai. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. So to me, it's like diversity is fine. And I don't even think a lot of people like diversity is fine if it makes sense. You don't even have to explain anything to me in that case if you're telling me you want to make Supergirl um, black, Indian, whatever. To me, it does not matter. I just need for when I sit down with my popcorn and my soda to enjoy the movie. Like that's literally it. Like no one complained when Will Smith became Deadshot. Like I literally heard no complaints. So that's okay, yeah. but if I want to make Supergirl um, <laughs> black, you guys are gonna, your heads are gonna explode. So to me, well, I and think these are people. It, these are people who don't freak out when everything else about a superhero—the costume, the backstory—you can change all this other stuff, but somehow their skin pigment is where it's like, whoa, you can't be different than the source material. It's like, dude. Batman Begins made Batman train with Ra's al Ghul as a ninja, for Christ's sake. And he existed <laughs> right. in the world without any other superheroes. So you're already accepting dramatic changes. The Joker wore makeup and had a cut smile and never appeared again or fought Batman again. If you're accepting, if you love The Dark Knight and you love Heath Ledger's performance, then you are already accepting dramatic changes to the character that are more substantive, actually, than what mm -hmm. color, whether or not Batman was black versus being white. You don't even have yep. to address, it doesn't have to mention, you know, like you said, that's, and it's not the same as Black Panther. Black Panther's character, his entire origin is explicitly about being an African and being a black man in Africa. That's 
essential to his character. Plus, there's a difference between if you have nine white people and one black person in a room, there's a difference between saying, what if we made one of the other white people black, as opposed to saying, what if we took the one black person and made them white? The outcome is different. The, The implication is different. And the underlying arguments, I'm sorry, the fans that say this may not like it, but I'm sorry, it's racist. And when you say that, whether you think you're a racist person or not, you are making a racist argument. That's what you're saying. You are literally saying that that what is done to a, a group of people who are not very represented and who are actually marginalized and were forcibly kept out of representation, that what's that changes for them are equivalent to changes for the people who were put at the forefront as the constant representative. And it's not the same thing. It's absurd. And I come back to the point. These, the reason these characters were all white is not because of storytelling necessity or purpose. It's because of segregation. They were created during segregation and companies wouldn't, didn't want to and wouldn't put black faces on heroes during most of that time period. And the few that happened, like Black Panther, the Falcon, and uh, uh, Black Lightning, those were exceptions to the rule. And they were made precisely during periods where it was becoming possible to make a few standalone comics where the lead main character was black. That was the exception, not the rule. Spider-Man was in comics. It took two years before the first black character was portrayed in a Spider-Man comic, and it was a cop who was just a, in a couple of frames. Two years yeah. for a New York City-based comic book story and character to encounter a single black person. That's, that's crazy, and I love comics. I love Spider-Man. But the reality is that's what you get when things are created in segregation and when it, the assumption is made that it's if you make everybody white, that's not just because that's not forcing anything down people's throats, but making a choice to include a black face is somehow suddenly that's problematic. That's forcing it down people's throats. That's an agenda. No, keeping everybody white is an agenda. It's a yeah. big freaking agenda, and you need to get yep. over it. That's the agenda. Yep, and I appreciate you so much for saying everything that you said. Um, I, I tried to. I tried to lead. Um, in the, <laughs> the idea of, because you hear it all the time where people are like, dude, I'm not racist just because I want them to keep Superman white. N- no, that sounds purely racist. Like every ounce of what you just said right there sounds utterly racist. Like, because if you're telling me that deep down you truly believe in your essence that making him black changes everything about him, I would then question how much of Superman have you actually read? Because I can tell you yeah. someone who has read not one super, like if you didn't read any Superman comic and I came to you and told you he's an alien, you would go, well, what, what does it matter what skin color he is? And I would say, exactly. He is an alien who was drawn to be white. That is literally all it is. That's the extent of his race mattering to the story. That is it. That is literally it. So to me, if you change it, it just, it does not. I even said before, Idris Elba being Batman, there's nothing about Bruce Wayne that is specific to him being white. And you can't tell me, oh, well, his parents grew up, you know, I mean, his parents were super rich. And then he, so what are you saying? We're not capable of doing that. Is that what you're trying to tell me? In 2019, we're not capable of owning our own businesses and stuff like that. 
So to me, there's not like there's very few characters. I don't even I can't even really point out any uh, that leaps out of my mind like huge characters that were drawn white that literally have to stay white for their story to make sense. Um, yep. So to me, it's the best evidence tell people get a Spider-Man. If you take a, take any of the old Spider-Man comics, get a, a get a, a color pencil, a dark color pencil, brown or black color pencil, color his skin in, and color Aunt May and Aunt Uncle Ben's skin in the comic and then read the comic and tell me if it's like man this doesn't make sense anymore <laughs> it makes sense it's fine granted absolutely it, would it be would it be better if you know if you've got a black uh spider-man or a black character is it better that their life and their story also reflect the realities at that time sure but does mm-hmm. it mean that the story as it stands if he was black in it that it couldn't just stand as it is, it can completely stand as it is. It absolutely yeah. can. Yeah. So, it, um, and the fact that, it, and then take a Black Panther comic book and then color his character in white and see if that makes you go, this doesn't make sense. It does. <laughs> it does <laughs> right. make you go, okay, this does not work. This does not make sense. It's very obvious to anybody who's paying attention. A hundred percent. And unfortunately, we live in a world that will never um, fully accept that. Um, And it's funny because they go, well, don't just make them, you know, don't just change their race just to change it. And it's like, it doesn't happen often enough for you to complain about it. Like, I get it if like, all of a sudden, like, we're making Batman black, we're making Captain America black, we're making Iron Man black. You know, and then, like, it starts to become to where everyone is literally becoming black. Then it's like, you know what? You have a fair argument. But you can't tell me out of the millions of comic book characters that have been drawn, you are upset because we are trying to to diversitize 5% of the comics you love so dearly. Like, come on. Come on now. Really? Like, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. Um, but Mark, I want to thank you so much. This is the second time I got to do a show like this with you. And I, I've learned that if like you ever had like four hours in a day, I'd make a four hour podcast with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate I always you having have, me on. Really great. Absolutely. Had a great time. Absolutely. We have to do this more often. Um, I'm definitely going to, to be in more contact with you uh, going forward. But before we close it out, I wanted to know if you had anything you wanted to plug, upcoming podcasts, any um, brand new articles you have out, anything you wanted to uh, promote? Well, uh, one thing I'll, I'll just say, for, I know a lot of people that are listening to this might be interested. Uh, if you go over to Quora.com and look, there's a, a thing called Ask a Screenwriter. Uh, it's got a huge amount of followers building on it, and there are a lot of writers, a lot of screenwriters there uh, whose films you've enjoyed. And there, you can just post and ask questions about screenwriting, about making movies, and you're going to get answers from uh, from people. And I'm over there, and I answer a lot of questions uh, regularly there now. Um, I'm, I, you can find me, of course, at Forbes as usual, and I've got. I've got something coming up about the flash and I've got a few other things coming up, uh, something about Batman. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and I'm also actually, I have a, I have a film that's in, in development right now, a horror movie in development, uh, and working on that project with, uh, with a filmmaker that is beloved by, uh, a lot of people and 
that that movie will be uh, it's live action and uh, I'll have more updates on that pretty soon and I'll be talking publicly about that later. So lots of good stuff coming up and uh, I'll I'll I look forward to look follow my social media and I'll I'll be posting updates about that stuff pretty soon. Perfect. Can't wait to check it out. And as far as um, what you were talking about about reaching out to the the screenwriters. Um, on that site. I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm actually with a few of our writers trying to write a um, a script myself. So I will definitely be reaching out to not only you, but um, also on that site uh, for some, some pointers. Um, again, thank you so much. Uh, I had such a great thank time. You for we Absolutely. We got to do this I more re- often. Uh, definitely. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, always, always a pleasure. Always. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Are we clear?